Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. Come on, man. I am so thankful for that worship, so thankful for that opportunity we get to just praise the Lord. Crazier our world gets, the more God makes sense to me. Can I hear amen? Amen, amen. As we get started today, I just want to welcome everybody on all six of our campuses, plus all of you here with us through Compassion Online. Man, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, if you're here on campus today, I, I want to give you a prayer promise for New Year's from the Huxford family. Uh, and if you're online, you can download this on the chat, and I hope you will. But I hope you'll just grab one of these things and take it home with you. And somebody told me, are we going to get one of these this year? Because I keep it in my Bible, and I pray for you every time I open my Bible. And I just think, you are going to have waterfront property in heaven, bro. You know? And so if you'll pray for me, I'd appreciate it, because I promise you that Sarah and I are going to be praying that 2021 will be your best year ever. But unfortunately, uh, 2021 is getting off to a really sad start for our nation. Uh, if you've been watching the news today, you saw a tragic event in Washington, D.C., the likes of which has never happened at the hands of American people ever before. Uh, our Capitol building was breached by protesters uh, in the afternoon. The vice president, Senate members, House of Representatives had to be evacuated uh, as chaos and violence and deep, deep disappointment uh, descended on our nation's capital. Now, friends, I have never seen our country as divided as it is today. So the need for a united church has never been greater than it is today. Amen? Amen. And man, we need to pray. We need to pray for law and order and peace to prevail. Uh, we need to pray for the citizens of our country to respect each other and to make their voices heard in appropriate ways. We need to pray for the president and for all of those who have been entrusted with the law and safety of our nation to have wisdom from above and a willingness to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. Now, I would not pretend to think that anybody would know exactly the right thing to do in the moment after what we saw today. I mean, like COVID and so many other challenges we've had to face in the last year, uh, we've never faced this before. But friends, God has promised wisdom from heaven for anybody who asks for it. And he has commanded every follower of Jesus to pray for those who are in authority over us, that they will fulfill their responsibilities in ways that honor God and protect our nation. So let's stand out of respect for our true king and let's pray to our God to bless our country through his church. Now, this is the direction of Washington, D.C. So if you feel comfortable doing this, would you just turn and extend the hand of blessing toward Washington, D.C.? And pray with me on every campus as we pray for God to bless our country. Father, we are so thankful for you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that when everything else is out of whack, you never are. Lord, you are not baffled by circumstances. Lord, you don't get caught up in things accidentally. Uh, Lord, things don't slip through your fingers. You see a hundred miles into the future. And Father, we are so much at peace because we know you are our peace. But Father, our nation is in turmoil today. There's deep division and, Lord, just heartbreaking outcomes happening in our nation's capital today. And so, Father, we pray that peace will come. Jesus, we know you are the Prince of Peace. And so we ask you to bring that peace to our nation today. We pray, God, that our president will be wise and proactive and bring an end, Lord, to this senselessness that's going on in Washington right now. We pray, God, that our lawmakers will be wise and they will take responsibilities that they have been given seriously and Lord, they will put doing right above themselves. 
And we just pray in Jesus' name that as our country struggles with this deep division, that our church will be so unified that we will be like a light on a hill that people will be able to see from all over and be drawn, Lord, to the life that can only be found in you. And we pray, God, as the culture gets darker, that our light will get brighter and that you will be glorified and our nation will be blessed by your church. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay, everybody, have a seat. Thank you, campus pastors, for pointing out north by northeast to everybody. You know, when our nation is the most divided, it is critical that the church be united. And so if you're brand new here at Compassion, can I just say, man, you got here right on time. We're launching a new series of messages that I believe will absolutely revolutionize your spiritual life if you will put them into practice. Now, we're calling this series Rooted. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at seven rhythms of the spiritual life that guarantee will help you put down deep spiritual roots that will keep you strong and stable regardless of what this world throws at us. Man, we even have rooted groups that you can join. If you go to Growth Track, we'll get you hooked up with one. But we're going to take a fresh look at these disciplines that I hope you have been practicing your whole spiritual life if you're a follower of Jesus. But if not, can I just tell you now is the time to get started. And friends, uh, we hope that what Paul prayed for his buddies in Ephesus will be true for us. Paul prayed that Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him and that your roots will grow down into God's love and that will keep you strong. Now, friends, over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into the seven discipleship rhythms that make followers of Jesus spiritually strong. Now, these are not seven magic pills that you can take, and tomorrow, man, you'll be a great follower of Jesus. These are not seven magic phrases like abracadabra. You just mutter them, and, and something amazing will happen. These are not seven spiritual hacks that you can do one time, and, man, it'll make your soul and your spirit suddenly strong. We're talking about embracing seven discipleship rhythms that over time, if it becomes the rhythm of your life, will make you spiritually strong and emotionally resilient regardless of what we have to face in the future. And friends, the rhythm we're gonna start with is prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Now, Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City, and he tells about a time in his life, after serving for decades as a pastor, when he finally embraced the rhythm of prayer in a way that had a transformational effect on his life. Now, Tim started Redeemer Church in Manhattan in 1989, had less than, uh, you know, had about 50 people. It grew to thousands of people over the next 12 years, and then 9-11 happened. You know, the bombing of the World Trade Center and all that. And then while the city rallied, and it did, and man, Redeemer Church rolled up their sleeves, man, and they served in the name of Jesus. He said, our church and the whole city seemed to sink into kind of a corporate depression. I mean, it's kind of like what we've been through with COVID, man. It's depressing. It's tough sledding, right? But he said during that same time, the shadow over his family grew darker as his wife, Kathy, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And man, she really struggled with that. And they really struggled with that. And then right on top of that, Tim was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And he said, man, it was like the hits just kept on coming. And he's a pastor. But as they're just trying to put one foot in front of the other and be faithful through this difficult time, they locked onto an idea that helped them grow through all that disaster instead of just going through all that disaster. His wife asked him to do something for her and for their family that they had never been able to muster enough self-discipline to do with any kind of regularity. She asked him to pray with her 
every night. Every night. And she used an illustration that communicated how desperate she was for prayer. And Keller said, he's never been able to forget it. She said, Tim, just imagine that you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular pill every night. And it was very inexpensive and it was easily available, but you had to take it every night before going to sleep or you would die. I mean, imagine if you were told that you could never miss it because you would die before morning if you did. Now, would you forget that? I mean, would you just let that slip your mind? Would you just not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you would never forget and you would never miss. And Tim's wife said, Tim, if we don't pray to God together, I am not going to make it. I'm just telling you, I am not going to make it because of all we're facing right now, I won't make it. We have to pray. We cannot just let this thing slip our minds. And Tim said, man, I don't know if it was because of the season I was in in my spiritual life or if it was the power of Kathy's request for spiritual leadership or if it was that amazing illustration of the need for it. But he said, we started praying for each other every night that night and have every night since. I mean, whether we're laying in the bed together or whether we're on the phone because I'm in Europe and she's in New York, we pray every night. And friends, they discovered that the writer of the book of Hebrews was right when he said in Hebrews chapter four, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there, everybody say there. there. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now let's read this all together, big voice. And when you get to the highlighted words, bump it a little bit. Y'all ready? Here we go. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now, friends, think about that. You are invited to a place. You are invited to boldly come to God in a place and prayer is the place where you are promised God's mercy and God's grace and God's help when you need it the most if you will pray. Now, friends, Think about what that verse says about prayer, stuff that you already know. Uh, it teaches us that prayer deepens our relationship with God. You're not going to get deep with God if you don't pray. Prayer develops peace and confidence in our heart during the most challenging possible circumstances. Man, prayer delivers power and provision and help. Dude, when we need it the most. I love the story of the mom who had a sick child. You know, she got a call from the babysitter. And she had to leave work to go home to be with the baby. And the baby was running a high fever, so she stopped at the pharmacy on the way home. And then she went back to her car, and her car was locked. And the keys were locked in the ignition. And, man, she couldn't believe it. She called the babysitter to tell her what had happened. And the babysitter said, man, your daughter's getting worse and worse. Fever's going up. And so the mom started to kind of panic a little bit. And the babysitter said, why don't you look around and see if you can find a, a, sh a, a shirt hanger? Because, you know, if you stick that hanger in the window and do like this, the door will open up sometime. And so she found a whole rusty hanger out in the parking lot. Man, she didn't have a clue what to do with it. And so she just broke down and she started praying, God, please send me some help. And I mean, within minutes, this pickup truck rolls up, this rough looking character gets out of it. I mean, dirty from work, got an old dirty biker skull rag on his head. I mean, he frankly scared the lady to death. And she's saying, Lord, this is what you sent me. Really? 
but she was so desperate that she stopped him and she explained her situation about her daughter and said, can you please help me? And he's like, well, sure. And he took that hanger and went cha-chink and I mean that door was open like that. And she just burst into tears and said, thank you so much. You're such a nice man. You're an answer to my prayer. And he started laughing. He said, ma'am, I am not a nice man. I got out of prison last week for stealing cars. And she just hugged him and said, Lord, you sent me a professional. Thank you. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be great if God answered our prayers like that every single time? Unfortunately, he does not. And so today, we're going to talk about how to come boldly and consistently before the Lord in prayer. And we're going to talk about what to say when you get there and what to expect because you did. Now, friends, this is Prayer 101. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about the 601-level prayers. I mean, the mountain-moving, sun-stand-still kind of prayers. But if you're new to following Jesus or you're just struggling in your prayer life, I think this message will really help. Because, friends, understanding prayer and praying consistently are just vital to you getting rooted deeply in Christ. Now, friends, let's start off by demystifying prayer, okay? Because there's lots of urban legends about prayer and a lot of misunderstanding, and we need to sort this out. Now, the biblical wisdom on prayer is simple. If you are sincere, it is impossible to do this wrong. I mean, if your heart is sincere, there's no way to do this wrong. But friends, if that's true, why do most of us feel so inadequate in our prayer life? And I think there are two reasons for that. Two reasons why Christ followers struggle with prayer. Number one is spiritual warfare. We are involved in spiritual warfare. Dude, the devil hates it when you pray. Do you know why? Because prayer unlocks the power of God in your life. And the devil cannot stop the power of God. Can I hear amen? amen. But he can stop you. He can stop you from praying. He can manipulate you. He can work you. And let me tell you, he wants to do that. But this is why Peter said in 1 Peter 5, your enemy, you got an enemy. He's the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He wants to devour you. So resist him. Resist him standing firm in your faith. Now, friends, let me just say, you as a follower of Jesus are going to be opposed in your faith every single day in lots of different ways. One of them is going head to head with an enemy who hates you. And he's smart. He's smarter than you. He's a lot smarter than you are. And one of his most effective attacks is to whisper lies to you, especially about prayer. Believable lies. You're unworthy. I mean, you're such a goof up. Why in the world would God answer your prayers? God doesn't hear your prayers. He's never going to answer that prayer. It's too big. It costs too much money. Man, pray it doesn't make any difference. Did your prayer get answered last time? No. See, it doesn't, it's a waste of time. Friends, Satan's second most effective way to keep you from praying is to distract you. Distract you. Better answer that text. Look at that phone. It's blinking. Read the paper. Look at the news. Check that Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Look at, look at that butterfly. I mean, you know, you don't want to mess out. And so, man, you know, it, the enemy would do anything to keep you from actually spending time in prayer. In addition, though, we struggle with prayer because of unrealistic expectations, we kind of think that prayer is supposed to always be exciting or effortless or moving or instantly effective or whatever. Friends, can you think of any form of communication that is like that? I can't think of a one. And, and at, listen, at its core, prayer is a conversation in which we enter into God's world. He invites us into his world. And friends, we invite him into our world. 
Because following Jesus is not a religion. It is a relationship, and relationships take work. And listen, for some of us, connecting with anybody is awkward because we're just a little relationally inept. But you know, if you want people in your life, you don't quit. You don't give up. You figure out how it works. And man, the, it, it's harder for some people than it is for others. But listen, relationships are hard for everybody. But my point is that pray, praying is a learning process. And the more you pray, the more comfortable you will get. So let's talk for a minute about some of the myths that you will have to reject if you want to have a really awesome prayer life. Here's myth number one. Praying a life-changing prayer is easy. It's easy. Friends, I do not know a single mature Christian who would say that. Not a one. Because I'm telling you, praying effectively is not easy. Consistency and intensity in prayer is a struggle for me. I mean, I'm your pastor, but it's a struggle for me. But listen, so is generosity and forgiveness and being patient and loving my neighbor and prioritizing my family. But listen, we persist in these spiritual disciplines because we want to know Jesus better and we want to enjoy his favor. You know, Mother Teresa said, how do we learn to pray? By praying. And if you want to pray better, you must pray more. I'm telling you, prayer is a spiritual discipline. We do it because we need it, like dentist appointments. Can I get an amen? amen. Nobody? <laughs> I bet not. It's like going to work whether you feel like it or not. You just need to do it. Listen, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer and be watchful and thankful. Listen, if prayer was easy, Paul wouldn't have to say, devote yourself to this. Prayer is not always easy, but it is always good. And it always honors God. And it always blesses you. And it is just critical for you having a growing relationship with the Lord. Here's myth number two. I don't need anybody to teach me how to pray. If I love the Lord, it should just come natural. It should just come natural. Well, friend, that wasn't true for the 12 disciples. That, that was not the case for the men who travel with Jesus every day. And I don't think powerful, life-changing prayer that roots your faith deep is going to come natural for you either. I think laziness will come natural, but I don't think consistent prayer will. In Luke chapter 11, disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And look what he says. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Listen, these jokers were Jewish. They had learned to pray as babies in the synagogue, and yet when they saw Jesus talking with the Father, when they saw Jesus spending time with the Father, when they saw the way Jesus was blessed by prayer, Whew, they're like, we don't know anything about that. Lord, teach us to pray like that. And Philip Yancey says in his great book, learning to pray is like learning to walk or talk or read. It takes time. It involves trial and error. So give yourself a break. You know, I watched a video this week of my son trying to teach his son to sing a song about Jesus that had been written by another one of my sons. And so my boy would sing this song to little Harrison, and he would go, God. I mean, it was just one word. And then he would come up with another word, and it was just slow and over, and we're just giggling watching this thing. But let me tell you, that's how it works. That's how you learn to pray. It's like everything else. If you want to prevail in prayer, you've got a lot of learning and training to do. Here's myth number three. When I become spiritually mature, prayer will be easy for me. Now, friends, I think praying does become easier for you the longer you're at it. You become more comfortable. You become more comfortable with the Lord. But listen, the more mature you become, the more dangerous you become to the devil and the more he will try to keep you from praying by distracting you with good things. And you need to be alert to that. Myth number four, if my heart is right, I will never get distracted when I pray. 
I don't know a single spiritually mature person who would say that, that they don't get distracted. And you know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he asked his best friends to go and pray with him. He said, man, this, this stress is killing me. Please pray for me. And they were so full of the Last Supper and they were so tired that they allowed weariness to distract them. And they fell asleep. And Jesus woke them up. Guys, I need you to pray for me. Wake up, pray for me. And they did. And then they fell asleep again. Martin Luther, who's the father of the Protestant Reformation, said a sense of unworthiness would often distract him from his prayers. And then he woke up one day and thought, this, the devil is using guilt over stuff I've already been forgiven for to distract me every time I start praying. And when he realized this is just the devil working me, he, every time he felt guilty, he would just say, Lord, thank you for accepting me and for forgiving me and making me your son in Christ. Sure, he got distracted. Sure, his insecurities worked against him. But then he learned how to use that distraction to refocus on the love of God. Dude, that's spiritual Judah. Devil comes at you, bam, you slam it, right? Which is a smart thing to do. Let me share with you three strategies for managing spiritual distractions. Number one, turn off all your electronics. Turn them off, turn them upside down, put it in the refrigerator, all right? <laughs> Leave it there till you finish praying, because I'm telling you, man, everybody in this room that's got a phone is addicted to it. The average American touches their phone 2,600 times a day. That is addiction, man. Turn it off. If you want to focus on the Lord, turn that stinking thing off. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Keep a notepad with you. Now, if you're under 40, a notepad is a piece of paper, all right? And you use a pen, totally analog. No battery required. Because here's what will happen. You'll be praying, and some important thing will come to your mind, and it'll distract you. So just write it down, and then put the pad down, and forget about it. And so when you finish praying, go back to that pad, and then take care of it. But don't let it distract you from prayer. Listen, if you get distracted a thousand times, that's a thousand opportunities to reconnect with the Lord. And here's what I would say thirdly, pray about the distraction. Listen, that's what Martin Luther did. Martin Luther realized that he was feeling guilty about stuff Jesus forgave him about a long time ago. And so he started praying about that distraction and flipping it. Lord, thank you for that forgiveness. This is what Peter was talking about when he said, let your mind be clear, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Why? So that you can pray. Clear-minded, self-controlled. And that call implies that there are going to be challenges every time you try to focus on your prayers. Here's myth number five. The more words, the better. I mean, some of us who are new believers think, oh, I could never pray like Pastor Cam. I can't pray those long, flowing, flowery prayers. You know what Jesus would say? You don't need to. You don't need to. Jesus said that's the opposite of what you ought to do. Man, when you, when you pray, Jesus said, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are going to be answered because they keep repeating the same words over and over and over again. Don't be like them, he said. Your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. I mean, you hear these folks who are just praying on it. Sometimes I think they're just showing off. I think Jesus would say, keep it simple, man. Martin Luther did say, the fewer words, the better. Now, here's myth number six, and this is only for men. Let me hear all the men go, I'm here. All the men, y'all here? Myth number six, I can't be a spiritual leader for my wife unless I can pray more or better or with greater comfort than she can. Now, does this sound like competition to anybody else? I'm competing with that woman on prayer, right? Now, friends, listen, most of the men I know feel like their wives pray better than they do. You know why? Because they do pray better than you. 
Of course they do. Why would you be intimidated by that? You ought to praise God for that. Listen, my wife is more comfortable talking about everything than I am. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not a spiritual leader. Dude, don't let the devil discourage you over something dumb like that. Paul said, pay careful attention to your own work. Mind your own stinking business. And then you will get satisfaction from a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anybody else. Listen, man, if you married and God gave, you, God gave your wife strengths you don't have, and he gave you strengths that she doesn't have. Praise the Lord. Amen? I mean, listen, marriage is about complementary strengths. Bad marriages are about competitive strengths. Dude, when you see this as a complementary thing, man, it makes you marriage double strong. So don't let comparisons paralyze your prayer life. Brothers, 90% of powerful prayers is just showing up. Just having a time every day when you pray in some small way. And I'm telling you, if you just pull the chair up, and this is what a guy told me to do. Pretend God is sitting in that prayer chair and then just talk to him. And if you start just like that, I'm telling you, man, before long, prayer will begin to feel different for you. Now, Philip Yancey says you can reduce the teaching of Jesus to prayer, on prayer to three general principles. Keep it honest, no, no pretending. Uh, keep it simple, and dude, keep it up. And if you're doing that, I'm telling you, you'll be on your way. Now, I think one of the major hurdles we have to get over in terms of prayer is boredom. Boredom. I mean, we start praying, and then we get into a rut, and we're saying the same thing we said yesterday, saying it the same way we said it yesterday. We're just mumbling through the motions without our mind really being engaged. And the solution to that is to pray with options. Look for some prayer options. Now, I think what happens is some of us settle into a style of praying, and we pray that way until it becomes old and cold. Now, if it never does, fantastic, man. Ride that horse all the way to heaven. But if your prayers are losing energy, Maybe you have become bored with that kind of conversation with the Lord and you need to try something new. Now, the good news is in the New Testament there are, or in the Bible, there are 650 prayers recorded in the Bible. Some are very short, some are very long, all reflect different circumstances, different moods, lots of options on prayer. Now, here's what I want to suggest is just a couple options for you to try. And friends, try both of them. And if you're struggling with prayer, I think one of these will help you. Now, now, you remember I mentioned we're in a battle with the devil, right? Now, how many of y'all have ever served in the military? Ever served in the military? Let me see the hands of all you wonderful folks. We love you. Thank God for you. When you get in the military and they issue you a weapon, uh, chances are there will be a selector switch on one side of that weapon. And when you flip it up to the first notch, that's single shot. And it shoots one bullet at a time. And that's like saying, Lord, I need patience. Or, Lord, I need a new job. Or, Lord, I want to get married. Or, Lord, it's just one, one thing. Uh, just picking out one target, right, which is awesome. Now, on that weapon, you flip it up one notch, and that's the three-shot. You pull the trigger, it shoots three times automatically. And listen, there are times and places when that's very valuable, right? That's a big help. Now, let me tell you, I have a list of things that I pray about when, I, when it's working right every day. I pray about my marriage. I pray about my family. I pray about my finances. I pray about work every day, every day. And I've done this for years. And friends, I have some amazing answers because I have pulled that trigger in this marriage, family, finances, work every day. And I've hit those targets day after day after day for years. 
But then on that rifle, when you hit the third notch, that's full auto. And man, when you pull the trigger, it just goes rock and roll. It's hard to hold down. And you just spray it bullets downfield. And it just runs until the threat is gone or the gun is empty. And you know what kind of prayer that is? That's to help me. Jesus, this truck is sliding. The doctor said cancer. They're threatening to leave. I got this bill. I need some more money. Help me, help me, help me now, now, now. And dude, I'm telling you, in the heat of battle, you just select the prayer that works the best, right? Now, when the prayer option I'm most comfortable with runs out of gas, I don't want to quit praying. I want to select another approach. And so I would suggest, first of all, that you pray by a plan. Everybody say plan. Pray by a plan. Now, if prayer is new to you or you need to teach your kids how to pray, I want to encourage you to think about the baseball diamond, okay? Now, we try to teach kids to pray thank you prayers, sorry prayers, and help me prayers, okay? First base, thank you. Thank you for mom. Thank you for dad. Thank you for, you know, these pancakes. You can pray this at the table. Thank you, all right? And then sorry. I'm sorry I hit my sister. I'm sorry I lost my temper. I'm sorry I cussed at the ball game. I'm sorry. And then help me. Help me with my test tomorrow. Help me, to, help me to show more patience to so-and-so. And then finally, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you know why you always want to pray in Jesus' name? Because you can expect your prayers to be answered because you are a follower of Jesus, and that's it. He is the only reason you can count on your prayer being heard and answered. You're not talking to the universe, y'all. We're talking to the creator of the universe. And we can do that because we have a relationship with Jesus. Now, man, if praying is new to you or you're bored, this option might bring something fresh into your prayer. Put this back up for me, if you will. Listen, I would encourage you to do this every time you eat. Every time you eat. Do it at the table before every meal. Just go around the bases. Lord, thank you for this meal. Father, if I commit any sins today, I'm sorry. Uh, help our family to be strong in Jesus' name. Amen. Doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to be long. Thank you. Sorry. Help us. Amen. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking right now, Cam, I'm shy. I'm shy. And can I just give you a gentle pastoral word about that? Get over it. Get over it. You're not going to let a sense of shyness paralyze you spiritually, are you? We ain't asking you to preach. We're asking you to talk to the Father who loves you. Dude, if you're too shy to pray, you got a bigger problem than shyness. And so one way to help that is just to practice. Just practice. Do it in the morning. First word you say, say to Jesus. Every day. First word you say, thank you for a good night's sleep. Lord, I'm sorry for how I dropped the ball yesterday. Help me to do better today. In Jesus' name, amen. Do it at night before you go to bed. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my uh, roommate. Uh, Lord, thank you that life is so good for me. Uh, I'm sorry that I dropped the ball today. Uh, help me to do better tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't get fancy. Don't get fancy. I'm sorry. Help me. Uh, thank you. I'm sorry. Help me. In Jesus' name. You can start right there. Some of you guys have never prayed out loud. That's where you need to start. Simple. Now, in Luke chapter 11, when Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And listen, this was not a prayer that he meant for us to memorize. This is a plan he meant for us to follow. Now, some of us were taught the Lord's Prayer, and we did memorize it. And if you did, praise the Lord, because you have now memorized Jesus' plan for prayer. And let me tell you, the baseball diamond is just a simple form of what Jesus taught his disciples in uh, Luke chapter 11. Now, let's go through the Lord's Prayer quickly, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me, and we're just going to take it apart a little bit. Number one, say it with me, everybody. Big boys, come on. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Now, what is that? That is a prayer plan that begins with praising God. You're going to begin by saying a word of praise to the Father. You're going to follow Jesus' plan by expressing some appreciation for a strength or a power or an accomplishment or an expression of character that you see in the Lord. Now, this is why I like to read the Bible first and then pray, because I only read one chapter at a time, and while I'm reading, I'm looking for some characteristic of God that I can praise him for. Now, if you're going to use this verse, what you might want to say is, Lord, I want to praise you for being a good, good father to me. Now, everybody look up here for a minute. Some of us did not have good fathers. And so when we think hear about God being a father, we go like, eh, if he's anything like my old man, I don't want nothing to do with him. Listen, you might have had a crummy dad. You might have had an absentee dad. You might have had a deadbeat dad. But when you pray, you are talking to a father who is totally different from that. You're talking to the dad you always wanted. Can I hear an Amen. This is the dad you want to be. And so you can start by saying, Lord, after all I've done, after all the sin I've committed, my earthly dad would have rejected me, but you still call me your daughter. You still love me with an everlasting love. I just want you to know I appreciate that. Now look at the next element of the Lord's Prayer, and let's say it all together. You ready? Here we go. Big voice, come on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, this is a commitment to God's agenda. Jesus says when you pray, you want to verbally yield yourself to God's will. Yield yourself to God's agenda for your life. Basically what you're saying is, Lord, if you say, I will obey. If you say sexual purity, I will obey. If you say honesty in business, I will obey. I will obey what you say. So you might just pray, Lord, as I go to work today, as I go to school, as I go to the gym, I will do your will in every one of those places. And friends, the part of your prayer, this part of prayer might be different every day. You can use your little phone and look at your calendar and pray about all the appointments you have coming up. Plan the day in advance. Pray through the day in advance with the Lord. Here's the next part of the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me, y'all. Come on. Give us today our daily bread. What is that? This is where we make our request to God. And man, when I'm making requests, I talk to God about the stuff I need, the needs I have, the strength I'm trying to develop, the people I'm trying to help, the influence I'm trying to exert. I pray about my marriage, my family, my finances, my work every time. Friends, anything that concerns you is something God wants you to talk with him about. And I'm telling you, I pray by a list every day just to make sure that some strategic things that are important to me don't get missed. I'll tell you one of the things on that list. The day my first son was born, I started praying for his wife. I prayed for that girl. I prayed for her daddy. I prayed for that family, that my son would meet that girl that I had been praying for for the last 25 years when he was old enough to get married, right? And let me tell you, I prayed that prayer for all my boys, and I have got the greatest daughters. That's 25 years of prayer, and I praise the Lord for that. Now I'm praying for my grandkids' spouses. Look at what Jesus says next. Come on, y'all, big voice. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What is this? This is the confession of sin, and Lord, I need forgiveness. And let me tell you, this is the I'm sorry prayer. And the more specific you are, the more powerful this part of your prayer life will be. What does Jesus say next? Look at this. Come on, big voice. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What is this? This is a prayer for protection. Now you know, and I know, that there's a spot in your soul where Satan is trying to build a stronghold. And it might be your mouth, it might be your eyes, it might be your appetite, stuff you're lusting after, your ego, some pride issue. And let me tell you how you know what that is. If you have to ask for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over again, that's not wrong. That's just an area where Satan is attacking you. He is trying to build a stronghold. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to teach you how to tear it down. But the first step is with confession. Lord, protect me from this. Now, friends, that's how Jesus taught his friends to pray, by a plan. But he also advocated praying the Bible. Everybody say Bible. I started a Bible reading plan through the biggest source of prayers in the Bible, and it's called the book of Psalms. Now, friends, this is the songbook of the Jewish Bible. Jesus sang these songs every week of his life as a Jewish man on the Sabbath day. He didn't sing all of them, but he sang some of them. Now, I want to encourage you to follow me on Instagram and read through the book of Psalms with me in 2021. Uh, we're going to read one psalm a day, five days a week. We're going to rest on the weekend or catch up or whatever you need to do. But if you do this, you could teach yourself to pray through Scripture. Now, next week, I'll show you how to find the schedule at our church website so you'll know a year in advance what we're going to read. But we're going to be reading through the whole book, five days a week, one chapter a day, got the weekend to catch up, and I'm going to post the verse that hits me every day. Now, this is how I read the Bible. I read one chapter, I look for the one verse that hits me, and then I highlight it. And today I was in Psalm 3, and this is, this is the verse right here. Yesterday I read Psalm 2, and it ends with these words. Kiss the son, lest he become angry with you. Blessed are all who find refuge in him. And then today, Washington, D.C. happens. I am so glad I'm not looking to Washington, D.C. for refuge. I'm looking to him. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm telling you, praying the scripture yesterday prepared me for today. Now, we're going to do Psalm 4 tomorrow, and on Monday, we'll be on Psalm 6. Join us. Listen, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, the child learns to speak because his father speaks to him. He learns the speech of his father. And so we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us, and God speaks to us. By means of the speech of the Father in heaven, his children learn to speak with him, repeating God's own words after him. We begin to pray to him. And friends, I'm just telling you, if you're struggling with prayer, I want to suggest that you join me in praying through some of the prayers that are written in the book of Psalms. Join me for that 2021 Psalm Proverb Challenge. And I'll teach you how to pray the Bible this year. Over the next year, I'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Over the next year. We're going to spend a year working on this. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? A year. You know what the attention span is of the average American? Eight seconds. You know what the attention span is of the average goldfish? Nine seconds. So, Cam, you're going to say we're going to lock in for a year. Yeah. Yes. Man up. Come on, man. If you want to be rooted and grounded in Christ, Time to cowboy up right now. Now, friends, I'm telling you, learning to pray allows you to enjoy what it means to be a child of God and a citizen of heaven and a man or woman in the kingdom of God in the fullest possible way. 
but it's a language you have to learn. And friends, the language of heaven is prayer. Say it with me. The language of heaven is prayer. And the more fluent you become, the stronger your prayers will become and the deeper your faith will be rooted in Christ. So let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting us into your world. And Lord, we invite you into ours. We commit to pray every day so that we can go into your world and you can come into ours. And we cannot wait to see the difference that visit will make a year from today. We thank you in advance in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody.